Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast today. This is the first podcast we are setting forth on She Yearns. I am super excited about it, but I wanted to let you know if you hear a car go by or a horn honk or something, I do apologize. We have been hurricaning for about five months now. I have not been in my office and I've tried to find several different places to record without something snoring or beeping or or some kind of noise going off and I just I can't find anything else. So this is the best I can do. I do apologize for any sort of noise that you're going to hear, but we're just hurricaning with the rest of Houston and lots of things haven't been done. So please remember the thousands of people down along the coastal areas who are still suffering from all of the aftermath. It's interesting. You will look at people's houses and the neighborhoods look fine, but when you open the doors, there's nothing there. There's just boards. Ours didn't flood. We, we have a roof issue. So ours is covered by insurance. But so many people are not in that position. They flooded and they didn't have flood insurance. They didn't need it. Please remember those people and just be praying for them. And if you feel the need, please do give and help them. So that's just free uh, as we're getting started. But we are super excited to be on this adventure to begin doing a podcast. Today, we're going to look at the element of prayer. And the question I wanted to pose came out of a verse that I want to look at today. But the question is, why can we expect God to hear and respond to our prayer? If you look at the season that we're in, one common slogan we see and hear is believe. We see it on t-shirts. We see it in windows, on mugs and signs. You can even buy it engraved or cut out in metal or really nice on a wood sign. It's practically all around us. But it's not exactly talking about Christianity or God or Jesus, anything like that. It's a statement about Santa Claus. It's a statement of faith. It's a statement of faith, absolutely, in the future hope that Santa Claus is real. That he can make all of your material dreams come true if you were good, if you only believe. But somewhere along the lines of 7 or 12 or 27, most of us stop believing in Santa Claus. We've learned a few things with a little surveillance work, some eavesdropping and experience under our Christmas PJs. You and I wised up to begin doubting our belief in a big fat guy who can take toys down a chimney around the entire world in one night by flying in nothing more than a sleigh. Our experience begins to play into our doubts. Before long, we're convinced our hope is gone. And there's absolutely nothing about Santa Claus to believe in. Oh, we play along. We buy the shirt and we wear it from the day after Thanksgiving until the 24th of December. We put out the decorations. You might even supply the cookies and the milk on a special plate and mug designated for Santa alone. We participating in perpetuating the hope of what could be to the next generation. But deep down in our bellies, we are hardcore doubters. I fear that too many of us 
are treating our approach to prayer to the God of the universe in very much the same way we do our very doubtful hope in the fact that Santa Claus is real. We put on a good facade in front of everyone. We wear our Jesus t-shirts. But inside, I just wonder how often we are wrestling with whether or not God is listening and if he would do anything for us anyway. Why can we expect God to hear and respond to our prayer? This can be a real struggle. If any have had disappointment, any heartache, any experience in which you believe God did not come through for you, if something bad happened that did not turn out the way you wanted it to, and you just don't understand why, and even I think for people like me who may not be asking those sorts of questions, but tend to see the glass as half empty. Some of us are simple doubters at the carnal core. That would be me. I'm just simply a doubter. My first response to new information or something that's outside of my frame of reference is verbally or I'm thinking something along these lines. Well, what is your source? How do you know that? Or do you have an article? Or what is your sample size? Or were there any other variables? I'm sorry, I pity my spouse whose glass is always full and running over I am a very hard sell on anything, particularly when it comes to belief or hope and dependency when things look questionable and bleak. So, you know this is a topic the Lord is going to send in front of my face time and time again. I was hit with it about six or seven months ago when we were experiencing a lot of change. There were many uncertainties and a plethora of opportunities to doubt and to disbelieve that God would come through for me, but he did. And then again recently, I was hit with the topic. So when I came across the topic again a couple of weeks ago, not only did I need the reminder because he keeps bringing it back in front of my face, I got really excited about it this time because I knew the timing of it was on purpose to share it here on this platform. If God is who he says he is, and his word is all truth, then all of my carnal doubting is a complete and total squandering of my life away. And it is a slap in the face of the immutable. So, get your day timers out, because the one verse I want to look at today, it packs enough in it. That if we would get this and act upon it, I I put myself in this camp too. If we would get it and act upon it, we could uncover mental, emotional, and possibly even physical freedom in our daily routines. I hope you're ready. Here it is. It is Psalms 10, 17. Oh Lord, you have heard the desire and the longing of the humble and oppressed. You will prepare and strengthen and direct their hearts. You will cause your ear to hear. It really comes down to doubt versus faith. Charles Spurgeon wrote and preached eloquently on this topic in London in the 19th century. So the language is not always what you and I throw out on Twitter. But about this verse, he fills a sentence with intentional words which would benefit us today. He wrote it like this. Faith builds a sure abode with invisible stones. What does he mean by that? Well, he's drawing the same distinctions that when we doubt, it is not on impossible to infer something we hope might happen in our lives or become a reality in our future from a current present reality in our midst. We, we can't see beyond it. Too much stands in the way. Our doubt crushes our hope. 
like that trail of disappointments I mentioned early on that can take us down a path to finally stopping at disbelief. That is what doubt does. It leads us in the opposite direction of faith. Spurgeon handles the issue to his listener by explaining it this way, and this is my interpretation. This is not so with the believer. A person with a strong faith in the God who is immutable, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and believes he is concerned about her as an individual. A believer like this should operate differently than a doubter who cannot see past today. We should act differently than my carnal, natural self wants to. Faith builds a sure abode with invisible stones. The believer has invisible but sure stones, like Hebrews 11.1, which says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That is a sure yet invisible stone. That is what is talked about in Hebrews. But we also see something like it in 2 Corinthians 1.10. This is Paul testifying something that should sound familiar based on our text for today. For it is he who rescued and saved us from such a perilous death, and he will rescue and save us. In and on him we have set our hope, our joyful and confident expectation that he will again deliver us from danger and destruction and draw us to himself. For the sake of drawing these two together, to give more stability to our invisible structure we are in the process of building, Here again, our key verse. O Lord, you have heard the desire and the longing of the humble and oppressed. You will prepare and strengthen and direct their hearts. You will cause your ear to hear. In fact, I was reading Psalm 99 yesterday and listen to the testimony found there. They called to the Lord and he answered them. And then two verses later, it says, Oh Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them. And then in the next verse, they just praise him. Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord, our God, is holy. A doubter cannot take what God has done and put that hope into a future unseen event. This is why the Lord is a pursuer of us to help us in our faith. The believer is able to do something much more difficult than a doubter can do. Once more, Spurgeon gives us a profound yet simple statement worth passing on to the next generation. She expects because she has experienced and experiences already what she expects. She expects because she has experienced and experiences already what she expects. Can you see how that would be building a sure abode with invisible stones? What if we began to pray and live out this one statement? She expects because she has experienced and experiences already what she expects. What would happen in our relationships if we started to pray this way? What would change in our realities, in our faces, if we began to experience already what we do not yet have, but in hope, expect? Why can we expect God to hear and respond to our prayer? Because He's interested in our ability to build entire houses with invisible stones of faith. 
Therefore, we have Psalm 10, 17. O Lord, you have heard the desire and longing of the humble and oppressed. He has heard before, and therefore, he will do it again. Do you have a history with God? Have you brought something before the Lord that he has answered? Let that give substance to your courage to believe him now and start building the foundation of your invisible structure of faith. Maybe you're new to faith in God and you have been an experienced doubter. Ask a believer you know what God has done. They might stutter and stumble at first because they're not used to someone asking them that. But any true believer will have an answer. God has shown himself faithful to his own. The second part of that verse is you will prepare and strengthen and direct their hearts. Praise God, we are not responsible for this because we are lousy at it. Our minds wander to everything but prayer when we pray. We think we can navigate in and out of worldly situations with terrible language and sins untold and be ready to encounter the living Almighty. We are incapable of directing our own hearts. However, we can have confidence that the Lord goes before us to do what we cannot reminding us of who we really are, keeping our thoughts intact, and shaping our desires into His desires for our lives. God does not lead us on wild goose chases. This is going to take time, ladies. It's going to take some time and some discipline. But He does not lead us on wild goose chases. If God leads you to pray in a particular direction, there is a reason. For there is blessing and conviction that brings us to our knees in holy desire for His name and His glory. That prayer is going to be heard and received and answered. He tells us in confidence, you will cause your ear to hear from the psalmist. God is in the business of our prayer. This is what he does. This is what he is about. Can you imagine if you were at a dinner party? We're going to some dinner parties right now this time of year. If you were to meet God, this is a terrible illustration, but it's just what I thought of. If you were to meet God at the dinner party, you would engage with him in the normal to do. And you would say something like this, so what do you do? And he would give you the brief history and the elevator pitch that we all do. And he would have to say something like this, well, I've done some work in setting the universe in motion. And cell creation, I've had some success at that. And I've spent some time in miracle work. That was pretty successful. But mostly in these days, I'm into life change. And my work is in prayer, preparing people in their hearts and how to approach me and what to do. And I offer everything they need to do what they need to do in their lives. You and I would be speechless. We would just stand there spellbound with our mouths like dangling toward the floor and dumbstruck. But this is what he does. He is in the business of our life change. And he's been doing it for a very, very long time. And he's very good at it because he's worked at it in all these ways before and promises to do it again. He's proven himself to be trustworthy. We have enough to stop doubting. He will cause his ear to hear. This is his passion. What is God's motivation to hear and respond to our prayer? Why would he be interested in doing this for us? What makes us worth the effort? The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, 
and abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 145.8. This is who he is. It's his character. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It's who he is. It's his character. Why can we expect God to hear and respond to our prayer? Because of his character. It's who he is. It's what he's done before. There's no time like today. There is no better or worse situation than your current one to bring before him and no more perfect time than the present to go before him. Let us go forward and begin building our invisible houses, expecting because she has experienced and experiencing already what she expects. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.